I want to talk to you about thinking differently. Thinking differently. And I'd like you to really just kind of maybe real quickly think about your own thought life and think about what you think about and what occupies your thoughts and your mind. One time David prayed, he says, Lord, may my thoughts and my meditations be pleasing unto you. And that has been a prayer for me, and I can remember the year that that actually became a prayer for me. It was in 1979. Just reading that verse and thinking about it and saying, Jesus, that's how I want my mind to work, where my thoughts and my meditations are pleasing unto you. Let's, let's say that together. May my thoughts and may my meditations be pleasing unto thee. Let's say it again. May my thoughts and may my meditations be pleasing unto thee. Now, we're always thinking, and we're always, our minds are occupied with different things. I was reading an article not long ago about how important thinking is. It was in Inc. Magazine. And the man who wrote the article was actually an advisor to the President of the United States. And in the article, he was writing about the importance of executives and people learning how to think clearly and to think properly. And he says, we're always thinking, we're, our minds are always occupied, but learning how to process emergencies, learning how to process something that comes up suddenly, and he has this group of people that have paid to come hear him talk, and he says, imagine that you're an astronaut, you're a group of astronauts, you're in space, and all of a sudden you get a warning that you've only got 10 seconds of oxygen left to breathe. You've got 10 seconds to live. What do you do? And all of a sudden, these very brilliant people begin calling out answers, and he shares some of the answers, and then he stops them, and he says, all of those are the wrong answers. Now imagine, you're with some of the most brilliant people there are, and he tells you you're thinking wrong. He says the wise thing to do, the smart thing to do is Think for eight seconds, because what you think about doing is determining whether you're going to make the right decision in the last two seconds of whether you live or not. And so this morning, I would like to talk to us about how important it is to think. In the Bible, in Job chapter 21, in verse 16, Job's comforters, Job's friends, who end up becoming his critics rather than really comforting him, Job says these words to them. He says, their way of thinking is different from mine. Let's say that together. Their way of thinking is different than mine. The way you and I think as passionate followers of Christ, it's very different than how the rest of the world thinks. What we think about issues, what we think about life, what we think about money, what we think about relationships, what we think about marriage, what we think about family or parenting, what we think about our grandchildren, what we think about sex, what we think about our uh, career, all of these things are different than how the world thinks. And if you're listening online this morning, uh, how you think about God is so very, very important because all of us one day are going to stand before God. All of us one day are going to give an accounting of our lives and how we've lived it. And so whether or not you believe in God or not, and I know somewhere down deep inside of you, there is this conviction that God is real, that one day we're going to stand before him. So how you think about God is very different. Jesus illustrates this to Nicodemus, who was a religious man. He was a learned man. 
he was a member of the ruling council of the Jews, and he asked to see Jesus by the cover of night because he was really concerned about what his colleagues and peers would think about him, and maybe you're kind of concerned of what your colleagues would think about you if they thought you were, quote, overly religious, and I'm not talking about being religious. You gathered that from the verse I just read about giving, but we are talking about a relationship with God that's born out of how you think about God. And so Jesus says to Nicodemus, he says, Nicodemus, or if we can call him Nick for short, he says, Nick, you've got to be born again. And to be born again is a whole different way of thinking. You see, to be able to think, your ability to think is one of God's greatest gifts to you. Your ability to think is what separates you from the animals. Now, sometimes when I'm talking to lost people or evolutionists, they will talk to me and they say, well, now wait a minute. Animals think, and I saw a video of a, of a, of a, of a monkey learning how to crack a nut using, ham, or using a rock or using a stick, and I say, look, humans have known how to crack nuts since the beginning of time almost. And I go, oh, I said, I mean, I'm impressed that the monkey has learned how to pick up a rock. And they said, well, did you see this, this video of this dog responding and how he thought? And I said, listen, animals can think. God gives the animals the ability to think, but animals think differently than you and I think. Animals respond to stimuli according to instinct. And so their instinct teaches them they're going to get a reward if they do this, or they're going to get punished if they do that. So their thinking is according to instinct. But the difference in the way a human being thinks, remember we are created in the image of God, imagio Deo, we are created in the image of God, is we have the ability to make moral choices, to choose right from wrong. We have the ability, not according to instinct, but to reason and to think. It's part of what it means to be made in the image of God. And so God's Word says this, and this is very important, that your life and my life is shaped by my thoughts. And so it's so important that we learn how to think differently. My life is shaped by my thoughts. Look with me, if you would, at Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. Be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. Let's say that verse together. Be careful how you think, for your life is shaped by your thoughts. Now, I don't know if you've given much attention to your thought life lately and how you think and how you process and how you reason and how you make your moral choices, but the Bible says we need to be careful about that. Now, when I'm using just an old tin cup or an old plastic cup, I never really think about it. But when Becky puts out the good china, the stuff that she's very proud of on a Sunday dinner or for a holiday dinner, and she puts that out, I'm very careful about how I use that cup and how I set it back down. And I'm very careful after dinner to help her because those glasses can't go in the dishwasher. They have to be hand washed and then they have to be put somewhere else. There's a big difference between a 50 cent cup and one of Becky's crystal goblets or one of her china cups. You're careful with it. And the Bible tells us 
we need to be careful about our thoughts. Because your life, now look at the word again, look at it in your outline, your life is shaped by your thoughts. Circle that word shape. And when I think of that word shape, I, I think of a potter as a potter sits at a pottery wheel and shapes a vase or shapes a bowl. I, I think of someone as they're molding or as they're sculpting, they're shaping something. You're shaping a life. And if you're a parent, you're shaping a child's life. And if you're a grandparent, you're shaping a, your grandchild's life. And if you're a neighbor, believe it or not, you're shaping how your neighbors think about the Lord and what they see in your life. So our lives are shaped by our thoughts. So again, unlike the animals, every action and every reaction is shaped by our thoughts. If we live our lives consumed with paranoia, then we, we react according to our fears of what people may be saying about us. If we live our lives full of criticism the way that Job's friends did, they started out well, but then they couldn't help themselves because they were natural-born critics of people, then we begin to criticize others, and we live, listen, we know we, we reap what we sow, so we live in fear of criticism. If we're a gossip, we live in fear of somebody else gossiping about us. But if we're people of love, and if we're people of grace, if we're people whose thoughts or meditations are pleasing to the Lord, there's a confidence that comes in our life. For everything you feel, listen to me, everything you feel starts as a thought. Now, I, I just barely got into, out of this first service and got into here. I was talking with a couple, and I shared with them at the back something that I've shared with you before, but I want you to listen carefully because I didn't share this in the first service. Your feelings follow your thoughts. And so sometimes you have to act according to what you know you should do rather than what you feel. That is not hypocritical to act the way that you should. And if you begin acting according to God's Word, living according to God's Word, pretty soon you'll begin to feel the results of those actions and you will feel good about what you're doing. You see, every one of us are always talking to ourselves. You're talking to yourself right now, even as I'm preaching this message. You're, you're saying, does this make sense to me? You're, you're wondering, do I agree with what pastor is saying this morning? You're having conversations with yourself now. This week on vacation, I, I walked her into our bedroom, and, I'm, and Becky was talking to herself. And I just stood there at the door smiling and listening. She was literally having a conversation with herself. So finally, I cleared my throat and I said, so are you enjoying talking to yourself? And she says, well, I'm good company. And uh, she said, every once in a while, I even answer myself. And we had a great laugh about that. But the truth of the matter is, we're always talking to ourselves. The Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. And it's true for a woman, too. As a man or as a woman thinks, so are you. So your thoughts are vital and they're important. So let me ask you just a few questions this morning. How do you think about your health? How do you think about your diet or your food? How do you think about your relationships? How do you think about your career? If you're retired, how do you think about retirement? How do you think about money or your finances? How do you think about serving others? How do you think about truth? How do you determine what is truth? How do you think about sex? How do you think about the future? 
And boy, isn't that a good one? Especially the older I get and the closer I realize that I am to heaven, the more I think about the future, boy, there's just something that really has determined everything I think about all of the above. And that is, how do I think about God? Do I think about God as Jesus taught me to think about him, that he's my father? And I know that some of you may not have had a good relationship with your father. Some of you may have had a poor relationship with your father. But Jesus came to show you what the father is really like. So Jesus is not condemning. Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, John 3, 17. I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. When you think about Jesus, he's merciful. When you think about Jesus, he's kind. He, he heals the sick. He, he feeds the hungry. I mean, the more I study Jesus' life, the more I love God and the more I understand what my father is like. So what I have learned and what I've written for you in the outline, when it comes to thinking differently, when it comes to thinking biblically, when it comes to having the outlook on life that is faith-filled, that is an overcoming life, you want to treasure development over debating. You want to treasure development over debating. Have you ever heard the statement somebody that, about somebody that says this, they would argue with a signpost? Have you ever heard the statement sometimes about some people, they're just, they've got their minds made up and, and they're like the old gospel song, I shall not, I shall not be moved, and they've been in the way for years? You see, there are some people that all they do is debate and argue. But the Bible tells us we need to develop, we need to grow and learn. In an article called The Big Loophole that helped Russia exploit Facebook, that was in the Wall Street Journal, it just boiled down to this, how fake news shaped the thinking of so many Americans and affected the election. Boy, when I read that article, I was absolutely stunned and startled. And I'm not a big Facebook user, but Becky and I were talking about, and she said that was so huge. She says, you didn't know what to believe. People were posting things, people you trusted, people you knew that were reposting stories on Facebook. And, and fake news affected how we thought. How much better it would be if we let the Word of God be how we determine truth from error. Professor Daniel Taylor says that, that children learn about courage and bravery as children by not only observing people who make courageous and brave decisions and wise decisions, but by reading about people who make courageous and wise decisions. He uses as an example Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the famous martyr, the pastor that, that Adolf Hitler had murdered just before uh, Hitler himself committed suicide. But Bonhoeffer as a boy read over and over a book called Everyday Heroes, which was the stories of, of men who made courageous choices in their life. If you've ever read the book by Eric Metaxas, Bonhoeffer, then you know how that, that, that Bonhoeffer, even in prison, was reading the stories of heroes who made courageous decisions. Friends, hear me this morning. It is important that we treasure development, but we understand our thought life shapes our life. So if you're like me and you found yourself, as I did early on in life, saying, God, I, I really I want to change how I think because I had a lot of fear, I had a lot of anxiety, 
I was intimidated easily. There were so many things, and I had been told I couldn't do this, I couldn't do this, I would never be able to do this, this is when I was going to die. All of these things have been fed into me by so many experts over the years, and I remember being in another room and, and the door being cracked and hearing a man who wrote a very famous book, Raymond Moody, tell my parents he will be dead before he's 13. Well, all of these things fed into my psyche over the years. And so I found myself as a young man praying, God, help me to think like Jesus thought. So how do you change a thought life? How do you change thought patterns? How do you think change thought habits? It's not as difficult as you imagine because it's not up to you. It's up to you to allow God to do it. Let God change the way you think. And so that's what is so important is let God change how I think. And God will change your thought patterns. Look at everyone right here. God will change your thought patterns. God will change how you think and teach you how to think. You see, all of us have struggles in our mind. When I was praying this morning, I, I was in my, my little study at home, and I was praying, Lord, I know there are going to be people coming to church this morning. They've got bitterness. I know there are going to be people that they're dealing with anger. I know there are going to be people dealing with worry or fear. I know there are going to be people who got bad news this week. I know there are going to be some people that are struggling with depression. So I'm asking you to help them understand and help me understand again afresh and anew that, God, you change how we think. Because even right now while I'm preaching, you've been talking to yourself. There are things going on in your mind when Satan is attacking your mind, it's called temptation. When God touches your mind, it's called inspiration. The enemy, and you know these are moral choices, the enemy will always tempt you to do, to make the wrong moral choice. And so many people who've made a wrong moral choice, and even this morning after the service, someone said to me, he said, Pastor, I made a poor choice 20 years ago, and it's still haunting me, and we're going to talk, and we're going to pray together. And I said, can I just share that in the next service that we're going to pray? And yes, they said, to help people understand, it's so important that we make moral choices, because when the enemy tempts you, he's tempting you to make a moral choice like Adam and Eve did to sin against God. And it may look right, it may feel right, it may even seem like the right thing to do at the moment, but you know if your mind has been shaped by God that it's not the right thing. But when God works in your life, He inspires you. And listen, when God inspires you, you reach higher. When God inspires you, you stretch higher. When God inspires you, you love more. When God inspires you, you give more. When God inspires you, you find yourself overcoming. Never forget, God makes a promise to you. God says, I will make you more than an overcomer. Now stop and think about that for a moment. You are more than a conqueror. You are more than an overcomer. What does that mean? How, does it, how do you become more than a conqueror? It's because of the power resident in your life through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Nothing can stand in your way when you allow God to shape your thought life. Paul struggled with his thought life. He was very honest about this in Romans chapter 7. He says, I love the law of God. I really do. I love God's word in my mind. 
But sometimes I find myself doing the things that I despise to do. Now, let me ask you a question. And you don't have to raise your hands. You can nod at me if you'd like. But in online, just, just think about this. You love what Jesus says in the Beatitudes. You love the Big Ten. I mean, you know that's right. But how many times we find ourselves struggling to do the right thing, and maybe even knowing we shouldn't, we choose the wrong thing. It's all because of this struggle that goes on between temptation and inspiration that happens in our life. Now listen, as a young man, I was at a youth convention, and I heard a speaker use a powerful story, and it spoke to me as a teenager about how there were two wolves sitting on my shoulder, and there was a good wolf and a bad wolf, and the one that I fed would get stronger, and and he used that as an illustration about our lives. I don't really agree with that story. I did then because I didn't know any better. But listen, the Bible says, look at me. This is good news. The Bible says that when you're born again, all things have passed away. The old wolf is gone. All things have become new. The old man is gone. You are a brand new creation in Christ. So the key is continue to feed yourself and listen to God's word and not to the enemy's word. So Paul goes on in the book of Romans. That's in chapter 7 where he describes his own personal struggle. But he gets to Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 and listen to these powerful words. He says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now, circle the word transform and changing. Because in this passage, it's God that's doing the transformation. It's God that's doing the changing. So when you've been born again, it's not about feeding two wolves that are on your shoulders. You are a new creation in Christ. You are the son of God. You are the daughter of God. You are made in his image. And as you allow God to transform you, you trust him, and you change how you think about things according to the word of the Lord. You say, how do I learn the word of the Lord? Through messages like this, through reading your Bible daily, through helpful books, but also through a small group. And it's why I wrote these words for you, treasure Christ-like community. Treasure Christ-like community. Because the people you hang out with are going to be the people you become like. You're going to become like those people you're doing life with. I'm so thankful for my small group. I'm so thankful for my prayer partners in my life. My prayer partners this week who, who texted me while I was on vacation, little prayers and encouragement to, to build me and to, to strengthen me. I'm thankful for that community, for they've shaped who I am. I'm thankful for this church because this church has shaped my family, my children, my marriage. It's shaped who I am. You see, Christ-like community is important to this process that God has of changing how we think. I love that we can come into your home or your car or wherever you're at by Facebook and YouTube and church online. I'm so thankful for that. But we all need community together. And then thirdly this morning, my thought life is God's light for me. My thought life is God's light for me. Now, I want you to really think about this carefully for just a moment. My thought life 
is God's light for me. And here's what I base this on. And I did a whole series on this years and years ago, Proverbs 20 and verse 27. Our inner thoughts are a lamp from the Lord, and they search our hearts. Would you read that with me this morning? It should be on the screen. Our inner thoughts are a lamp from the Lord, and they search our hearts. Let's read that one more time. Our inner thoughts are a lamp from the Lord, and they search our hearts. Proverbs 20 and verse 27. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? Well, the best way I know how to illustrate it is years and years ago, I went wild cave spelunking. I went into the middle of a mountain, hiked over a mile into the middle of a mountain. And the only light I had was a carbon lamp on my head, and it was pitch black in there. I mean, it was so dark. But I saw things that I'll probably never see again in my life. There's a passage in the Bible that I kept thinking about. We're probably in that Andalusian age. The Bible talks about the treasures that glittered on the earth being turned upside down. And that may be a result of some of that Andalusian chaos that Genesis speaks about and some of the other scriptures in Ezekiel speak about. I'm not saying that's how it is, but that's kind of the way I've imagined it in my mind through the years. But there, there are jewels and there are veins of minerals and Finally, late in the day, and we ended up spending the night in the cave, my guide said to me, he says, I want to take you, he says, if you're willing to make the crawl and the climb, he says, it's pretty rugged. He said, I want to take you to see something that less than, ten, less than a tenth of a tenth of a percent of people in the whole world will ever see. And we did. We, he said, now, it's important you've got to stay right behind me. Because on either side, there are false floors. He said, there's, there's a path. And he showed me a place where a man lost his life. He got off the path and fell through the false floor. And we ended up at this perfect, and we crawled into this thing. It was a perfect sphere. And the colors were like the Grand Canyon as we took our lamp, and we just, our lamps on our head, and went up and down. And I just remember being so ecstatic but I was thinking about that as I was preparing this message because God's Word is solid. God's Word is truth. Not one dotting of an I, not one crossing of a T from God's Word will ever pass away. God's Word is the same yesterday, today, and forever, just like Jesus. But here's the thing. All of the fads of this world, all of the philosophies of this world, they are temporal. They will pass away. And sooner or later, the trends of today will be gone. The fashion of today will be gone. The cultural mores of this world will change again as we've watched them change rapidly through history and as I've watched them change rapidly in my lifetime. But they are false floors and they're doomed to cause those that trust them rather than God's word, they're doomed to perish. 20 years from now, people will not be thinking the same way about social mores or fashion the way they're thinking today, just like they're not thinking the same way they were 20 years ago. But if you build your life on God's Word, your life will stand and your eternity will stand because one day when we stand before God, we will have something to bring to God. God, your life the life that I lived was your gift to me. What I've done with my life is my gift to you because it's been built upon the word of the Lord. 
So my thoughts, if I examine my thoughts, if I journal my thoughts, they're like a lamp into my life. And the Holy Spirit, if I take note of them, what am I confident about? What am I worried about? Where am I forgiving? Where am I not forgiving? Where am I bold? Where am I timid? If I examine my thought life, I'm allowing God to shine a light. Now, here's the good news. Speaking of a path, Jesus said, if you look with me at John 8, 12, Jesus said to the people, I am the light of the world. So if you follow me, you won't be stumbling through the darkness, for living light will flood your path. If you follow me, you won't be stumbling through the darkness, for living light will flood your path. Circle that phrase, follow me, and then circle that phrase, living light. We lived way out in the country, and my family was hosting a party for all the young people and, at our church. We didn't have floodlights, and so for the party, my dad decided to put up these floodlights. And when it got dark, it was dark. You could see every star in the sky. It's not like here in the metro area where there's always a certain amount of light. And, but my dad put up these floodlights, and I remember when he threw the switch on at night, pop, suddenly our backyard was flooded with light. Now, if you lived at our house and you were familiar with everything, you could go out in the backyard at night and you could take the trash out. You could go out and sit in a chair or whatever and look at the sky because you knew where the electric fence was. And you didn't want to touch that electric fence because it would put you on, it'd drop a full-grown cow on its bottom. That's how they learned to stay where they were supposed to stay. And so my daddy put this light up, these floodlights up, to fill the yard with light so people wouldn't be stumbling around. Jesus is that living light in our life. Listen to me. It's not that we will see Jesus. Jesus is present with you this morning. Jesus is present today. Jesus is in your life right now. He wants you to treasure his presence because you are not alone in life. And there are times when you felt alone. There are times when I felt alone. And then the Holy Spirit kind of quickens our hearts that we know we're not alone. So learn to treasure the presence of God. Learn to cultivate the presence of God so that you always remember you're not alone. And if you follow, and, and that's your next fill-in there. I know they haven't got it up on the screen yet. It's, that's your next fill-in. It's important to remember His presence is with you supernaturally. His presence is with you in reality. You're not alone. And just like I saw what very few people in the world will ever see, even those who go on that guided tour because they don't want to make the climb and make the crawl, I couldn't have made it without the guide and the light. And Jesus is both the light and the guide. Can you say amen? So how do we put this all together? Number one, I, I encourage you, just take a walk and think about these things. You are body, soul, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. Sometimes you need to get up off your knees. Sometimes you need to get out of your chair, get off the sofa, Get your body moving, and as you're walking, your whole body, soul, and spirit comes together. Walk and pray. Talk. If these raptors could talk, 
Think about all the prayers that have been prayed in this church. If God stored up all the prayers and the counseling and things that, and the praise and the worship that have taken place in this room, I was just thinking about that earlier. If everything that has just taken place in this room, if these walls and these beams and rafters could store it up, the praises of God, the answers to prayer, the intercession that we've made in this room together, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things, read it with me, true, noble, let's read it together, true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best. Now stop. Think about this. If you were to journal your thoughts... Have your thoughts been true? Have your thoughts been noble? Have they been reputable? Have they been beautiful? Have they been about the best? Now, remember in the first message, and if you haven't listened to the first message, go back and listen to it. The challenge, look at me, the challenge is not what is the best thing. Everybody knows the best thing. You want a better marriage. You want a better relationship with your children. You want to manage your money better. That's the best thing. You want a better relationship with Christ. You want to be a better witness. That's the best thing. But what needs to be different for you to get to the best thing? What needs to change so that you can get to the best thing? That's where thinking differently comes in because then the Bible says, not the worst. What's the worst going on in your thought life? What's the worst choices that you're making? Think about the beautiful, not the ugly. What is the ugly that you wouldn't want God to put on the screen this morning? I wouldn't want God to put on the screen. What's the ugly in your life? Things to praise, not things to curse. You see, there is what needs to be different. The things that are the worst, the things that are ugly, and the things that need to be cursed. You see, if we can identify those strongholds in our life, and the Bible talks about strongholds. What is a stronghold? A stronghold is when you are thinking the wrong way about something. When somebody tells me, oh, there's a demonic stronghold. Let me tell you something. The devil has no power except what we give him through our thought life. Let me say it again. The devil has no power over your life except what you give him through your thought life. I've gone into cities to plant churches. I went into one city for 500 years. It's never had a church, never had an evangelical church. We went into that city. We planted a church. God did signs and wonders. But the strongholds in that city were all in people's minds. Yes, there was demonic activity. I'm preaching under a yellow and white tent and an outdoor meeting, and one night a bunch of communist guerrillas drive up, surround the tent. People are petrified. The translator looks at me and says, what do you want to do? I says, the only thing we can do, we're going to preach the word. I preached the word that night, and the leader of that gang came down, laid his gun on the platform, and knelt and gave his heart to Jesus. As a result of that, so many more came down and gave their hearts to Jesus. Strongholds are destroyed when you stand on the word of God. There is not some supernatural way the devil can control you unless you listen to his temptations and act upon them. His power has been broken by the blood of Jesus at the cross. Somebody say amen this morning. That's why we don't live superstitious, fearful lives. So let me just give you quickly three things to think about. Think about Jesus. 
Read the Gospels. If you haven't really spent time thinking about Jesus, read the four Gospels between now and Christmas. Be ready for Christmas when it gets here. Because when you read about Jesus, you read about what God is like. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, excuse me, 2 Timothy 2.8, always think about Jesus Christ. Secondly, think about others. Think about others. The Bible says let us think about each other and help each other to show love and do good deeds. Somebody recently said to me, says, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm just so worried. I, I don't do good at events, and I'm having to go to different events and meet people, and, and I just get so worried. I said, what are you worried about? Well, I'm worried about if they're going to like me. I'm worried about what they're going to think about how I'm dressed. I'm worried about my, you know, what I'm going to say. And I said, stop, stop. First of all, whenever you go to this event, whenever you go to this meet and greet, whenever you go to this party, understand this. Nobody is thinking about you. When I go to one, nobody's thinking about me. You know what they're thinking about? They're thinking about, are they going to like me? They're thinking about, am I dressed right? They're thinking about, what am I going to say? They're all thinking what you're thinking. So instead, go in there and determine to be a blessing. Reach out, shake somebody's hand, introduce yourself, ask about themselves. They want to talk about themselves. That's why they're at the meet and greet. Compliment them, affirm them, and they go, can I do that? And I said, of course you can do that. Look at this verse. Let us think about each other and help each other to show love and do good deeds. When you encourage somebody, you're showing love and you're doing a good deed. And then thirdly, think about eternity. Let heaven fill your thoughts. If you've not read the book by Randy Alcorn, Heaven, it's a long book, but it's a rewarding book. You're going to spend eternity there. I just had a couple ask me to do their wedding. And I told them, I said, well, I said, before I do your wedding, we got 12 weeks of counseling we need to go through. And I said, you're going to get married. You know, the ceremony is going to last less than an hour. And I said, we're going to spend 12 hours together preparing for that one hour for the rest of your life. And always, like so many couples, if they come, you know, too late, they go, well, we got this. I said, no, not doing the wedding until we spend 12 hours. Because you're talking about spending a lifetime together. I'm not going to charge you anything. But you're going to spend a packet of money to get married and to do a honeymoon. And I want to be sure it's going to last. Friends, hear me this morning. It is so important that you and I think about eternity. I went through several cemeteries on our vacation. We had a wonderful vacation. But I go through cemeteries and I take pictures of headstones. I'm always looking at the epitaphs. What scriptures did they leave? What saying did a family leave or did somebody say to have left upon their tombstone? And as always, there were some that were just such a blessing, but there was one I came upon, and I have the picture, and I'll show it to you if you want to see it, but of a young father that took a stand because everybody mattered. And because he took a stand because of his Christian faith that everybody mattered, a group of people in his community murdered him. And his family put that on his headstone. And I thought about how cruel people can be. But I stood there with my daughter and I said, there lies an everyday hero. 
there lies a man, the remains of a man who took a stand of faith for what was right. I found out some more about the story, how the church surrounded his family, cared for his children, cared for his widow, and loved him. There's a man that I'm convinced will hear from the Father, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So finally, what I'd like to ask you to do is to tear down every barrier into your life so that it can be shaped by Christ. Tear down every single barrier. Years ago, we changed the name of this church. This church used to be known as Trinity Assembly of God. I was going to preach a church growth conference. I was the keynote speaker for it and taught some workshops for them as well. And, and just before I left, <clears throat> one of the board members of the church came to me and says, Pastor, what do you think about us changing the name of the church? And I go, well, if you want my term here to be short term, let's change the name of the church. He says, well, no, just listen to me. He said, I was talking to someone, and he named the church, and he says, I asked him why they named their church what they did. There was no denomination name in it or anything like that. It wasn't a religious-sounding name like Trinity. He said, we changed the name because we wanted to remove any barriers to people coming to learn about Jesus and the life that he brings. And he and I had a long conversation. I brought it up in our next board meeting, and we discussed it about removing any barriers. So I just made it a habit that says, now, let's the five of us or the six of us, let's make it a habit. Let's talk about our church and get people to ask us questions. And so I noticed the questions people were asking and I journaled every question, shared them with the board. They shared what they were hearing from people. And we realized there was a barrier. So I called our denominational officials, our national officials, and our state officials, got their blessing. And that's another whole story of how we came to the name Woodland. It's a wonderful story. But it was so that we could remove barriers where people weren't trying to process what this meant or what that meant. I thought about that because I was closing with a different point, but I've been reading over and over the books of First and Second Corinthians. And this week on our vacation, I read this verse. I thought, oh, Father, that just goes exactly, the story goes exactly with what I'm trying to preach about this Sunday morning. The Bible says this, we use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought, emotion, and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Now leave that up there for just a moment. What loose thought what emotion, what system or structure in your life needs to be different? 
What loose thought, what system or structure, what emotion needs to be different in your life? What barrier is standing between you and the Holy Spirit through God's Word shaping your life to be like Jesus? I really struggled with what I'm going to say next, but I'm willing to take that risk because I know it can sound self-serving. I know it can sound pious, and God knows my heart, and I believe you know my heart. I've never said this before, but I pray almost every single day, if not daily, Lord, let people see Jesus in me. When they look at me, may my life be hidden in Christ, and may they see Jesus in me. When I pray for my wife, I pray, God, let them see Jesus in her. Let Jesus be seen in our children and our grandchildren. Let Jesus be seen in our church. Let my neighbors see Jesus. Let those in the community see Christ. I want a life shaped by Christ. And my thoughts shape my life. And thank God the Holy Spirit transforms me into a new person and changes how I think. <laughs> and then by the power of His Word and His Spirit, every loose thought, every emotion, every structure that needs to be different, the Holy Spirit says, I want to change this. I want to change that. I want to change this. And so then suddenly, I see the false floors. I said to the guide, how do you know it's a false floor? And he explained to me the mineral composition. And we got to a certain place, and he says, right here. And he says, I'm not exaggerating. He said, a man fell to his death. We were able to get him out, but he fell to his death because he got off the path. The systems the structures, the thoughts of this world are temporal. They'll change in another 20 years. But every life that is built upon the Word of God, it will stand for now and eternity. Can you say amen? Stand with me this morning. Let me pray for you. Oh, Jesus, I love you. Mm. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to work into our lives and our hearts. Show us every loose thought. Show us every loose emotion. Lord, show us every system or structure of life that is out of line with Christ's plan for our lives. The old has passed away and all things have become new. And Lord, as we choose to listen to you, God, I pray that soon our thoughts will be noble and pure, beautiful, upright, courageous, serving, brave, 
And that, Lord, we will not be defeated, but we'll live overcoming lives spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, and yes, Lord, physically. Through the life of Jesus Christ, I pray. Now, Lord, if anybody at all is listening right now or hasn't crossed the line, God, help them to realize they're living on a false floor. Lord, they're living in a place that sooner or later will collapse. And like me, each of us will stand before you one day, Lord. And so I pray that today, that this will be the time that they ask you to come into their heart. They trust you to forgive them of their sins. And if that's you, would you just pray this way with me? Say, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, forgive me of every sin. I trust that what you did for me at Calvary was enough. Make me a brand new man or woman. And fill me with your Holy Spirit, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. And may God fill your thoughts this week. And as you come to what's ugly in life, may you hear what God says is beautiful in life. And as you come to that which is worst in life, may you see what God says is best in life. And when you come to that that needs to be cursed, may you see what God blesses in life. And may you live an overcoming life in Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Go in peace today. God bless. Thank you for joining us today for Woodland Church and our YouTube channel. I hope you'll take a moment and click that subscribe button and also click the notifications bell so that you'll know when new things are posted. We're always putting new material up so that you can be a part of everything that's going on. We want to share those with you and we hope that they will encourage you and strengthen you in your faith as you watch. You can also find out more about Woodland Church by going to our website at woodland.church. You can find out all about us and also upcoming events. Again, thank you for joining us today.